Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. I'm your host, Haram Shamim. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of this podcast. As always, I appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Today's episode, I'll be talking about what it means to reconnect and reflect on the Quran. Uh, I know this is sort of a broader topic and uh, you know one that uh, maybe you didn't expect for me to cover, but I think it's important given what has been happening in you know the Muslim world and the broader Muslim ummah in you know the past what few weeks and the past few months. I mean things that we're seeing in you know Afghanistan and in Palestine, uh, you know what happened with the what's or sorry what's happening with the Uyghurs in in China, the Rohingya in Myanmar, uh, you know the rise of uh, or rising Islamophobia as I discussed in the last episode. Uh, within much of the Western world, you know, there's a lot of things that are occurring and, and, you know, very important and crucial events that are really affecting a a lot of areas within the Muslim world. And, you know, as a person, as myself, who's very connected to world events and politics, uh, it it can be, you know, very distressing to see all these negative things that are sort of piling up. And, you know, it's definitely uh, putting a lot of burden uh, on the ummah as well, because, you know, it, it is a very sort of um, stressful uh, as to what's going around in the world. And, you know, I think as a Muslim, in times of distress, uh, it's really important for us to reconnect with our, our faith. And obviously, I, I can't go through every detail about this because I'm, I'm not an ulama, I'm not, you know, a scholar. But I do think it's important to at least discuss in something like reconnecting with the Quran. You know, and, and it's weird to maybe uh, say this because everyone might say, well, duh, of course we should connect with the Quran. Uh, but, you know, I think that sometimes when you're living in the 21st century, you have all these distractions, you know, you got your, your phone, uh, you know, you got your computers, all these things. You sometimes we forget that the Quran wasn't just a book that we're supposed to read, but it was also brought to us for guidance and, and as a way for knowledge for us to learn. And that's what I really want to discuss and get into how should we take those steps where we can reconnect with the Quran or we can learn more about the Quran? And I'll go through sort of my own experiences about how I took my steps so that I got into the habit about reading the Quran, about reflecting on the Quran and kind of learning uh, from the Quran. I actually first started getting the idea for this episode because I read an article from the Yaqeen Institute. Now, if you guys don't know what Yaqeen Institute is, they're a free Islamic research institute that's headed uh, that's head sorry by uh, Umar Suleiman. Um, I believe I've mentioned them before uh, in previous episodes. I probably have, so uh, you guys should be familiar with them. But if you're not, uh, they're a really great resource that's online that publishes articles, that publishes you know reports, videos uh, about Muslims, and they do a really great job of just breaking down uh, Islamic like legal, social, political, uh, and you know ethical, etc issues and problems. And so I really would recommend going and checking them out if you guys are interested in learning more. Uh, But from Yaqeen Institute, I found an article that was called The Keys to Tadabbar, How to Reflect Deeply on the Quran. And so Tadabbar is the Arabic word that basically translates, or at least it means to reflect on the Quran. And the article itself was written by Yusuf Wahab and Muhammad El-Shanawi. It's a really great article, honestly. So I'm not going to go through everything in the article because it is long, but I'll go through some of the main points that I felt were important uh, that I derived from it at least. Uh, But again, I encourage you to go read it if you are interested. 
The main point of, of the article itself is that it's essentially conveying that when you read or you listen or you try to understand the Quran, you have to do it with a full attention that's directed at the Quran and with an open mind that is willing to absorb that knowledge. So it's not just a matter of, you know, when we, when we read the Quran, we shouldn't just read it in that we're reading the letters that are in front of us. But what we should do is that we should really pay our full attention and the willingness to learn from it as well. And I think that that's really important in terms of the main point of year, because again, like I said before, the Quran wasn't just sent as a book for you to read. It was sent for you to learn from. And, you know, the article re refers to this and sort of reinforces this through two specific surahs from the Quran. And I'm not going to read them in Arabic, partially because my Arabic reading is not good enough uh, to be broadcast on a podcast. Let's just say that. Um, and number two, it's also because it's probably easier to get the message across if I just say it in English, where I'm assuming at least more people will be able to derive the meanings from. So the first surah that the article refers to is the 38th surah of the Quran, Surah Sad, and in verse 29, which translates to, This is a blessed book, which we have revealed to you, O Muhammad, that they might deeply, deeply reflect, due to Tadabbar, essentially, upon its verses, and that those of understanding would be reminded. In another verse, the 48th surah, Surah Muhammad, and verse 24, it translates to, Do they not then reflect on the Quran? Or are there locks upon their hearts? So both verses here, you can definitely tell the main message that's being derived, the main message that's being sent uh, is the point that the Quran was not just sent for people to simply look and read it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is clearly instructing it to us that he wants us, he intends us, he is, he's basically you know, requesting to us you know, learn this. You know, he's basically saying that I, I didn't just send this Quran so that you could just read it and then put it away on your shelf, right? It's there so you can learn from it. And it's it's really interesting in the, in the second surah that's mentioned in, you know, Surah Muhammad in verse 24, it doesn't just say, do they not reflect on the Quran? It then says, or are there locks upon their hearts? So it's almost like it's saying, or sorry, it is essentially saying, that those who don't reflect on the Quran have their hearts locked. And I think that's a really interesting message, right? It's like saying that, you know, you may be reading the Quran, but you're not really reading the Quran if you don't reflect on it. And the authors put this in a really interesting way where they, they say in page three of their article, the transformative potential in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's words lies at the nexus of our intellectual and spiritual engagement with the Quran. And so this is basically saying that reflecting on the Quran, again, is the differentiator between those who read the Quran to learn and improve themselves compared to those who just memorize the Quran for their own good. And I think that's a really interesting comparison here, right? When we're learning about the Quran, especially when it comes to, you know, when we're teaching it to younger generations, and uh, we should make sure to sort of emphasize that it's not the actual reading of it that's just the one part. It's also about trying to learn from it. And I think to me, like, from what I understand about the way Islamic schools or just, you know, my own experiences within the Islamic environment, 
and I don't know if you know you can relate to this as well, but it's often that people focus more on just memorizing the Quran. And so they can say to everyone, I memorize the Quran. Like a lot of parents will make their kids memorize the Quran. They'll become a hafiz. They'll know all the Quran. But if you actually ask them, you know, what does this mean in the Quran? They can't really tell you because the parents didn't spend the time to actually make their kids learn. They just force the kid to memorize so they can tell everyone, my child memorized the Quran. You know, like in, in Pakistani culture, for example, uh, you know, having a kid who's memorized the Quran is like a really, wow, wow, what an achievement. And, and it definitely is an achievement. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's kind of missing the point. It shouldn't just be about memorizing the Quran. When we are, you know, raising, if you know any of you are raising children or if you do raise children in the future or if you have, you know, little siblings, whatever it is, it's important that when we're in this authoritative position where we can teach someone, we should teach the Quran to them so they may learn, not just so they can read it. It should be about, at the end of the day, the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put together in this book so that we can learn. And the article itself really does emphasize this when it talks about how you can kind of take the steps to make proper tatabbar so you can learn from the Quran. And, you know, there's four main things that it talks about. Uh, and again, I'm just going to quickly go through this because I don't have time to go through everything, which again, you should go check out the article itself if you want to learn more. But the four main things that it talks about is the spiritual detoxification the serious approach to the sacred, meaning that when you're actually reading the Quran, you're focused on it. The right mindset, you should have the right sort of ideas when reading about the Quran. And then finally, learning how to tenderize your heart through the Quran. So the first point here, the spiritual detoxification, you know, there's an important thing where when we're reading the Quran, we should be committed to allowing the Quran to you know, make our spirit and our spirituality much stronger, right? That we should put ourselves to say uh, the Quran knows more than us and that, you know, we may be in a world where we have all the science and technology, you know, uh, uh, we're often, you know, in, at least in here in Canada, obviously I, I wasn't given an Islamic education in a public school. In a public school, they're just teaching you very much about science and all these great things. But at the end of the day, you know, all that is all just man-made things. It's all worldly things. But the Quran isn't. The Quran comes from the Lord, from our Rub, from the creator of heavens of everything. So how can you as a human being know more than that? You can't, right? And it's about getting rid of that arrogance and surrendering yourself to the Quran, accepting what it has to teach you. And the second point, this serious approach to the sacred. And again, you know, there's a lot of points that went behind this, but one of the ones that I thought was really interesting and one that I definitely had to go through and I still go through is not distracting yourself while you're reading the Quran. One of the things that I personally did when I would read the Quran was I take my phone and I put it like far away from myself. You know, I put it on mute and I put it far away from myself because when you put the Quran next to me or sorry, when I put my phone next to me, what end up happening is I'm reading the Quran, I'm reading it, I'm reading it. I hear a buzz. Oh, I turned my head. Yeah, that's not good. You shouldn't do that. Right? Like we should make a commitment to say, I will put my phone elsewhere. I'm gonna put it away so I don't get distracted. And that's part of the you know the importance of not distracting yourself. You are in front of the Quran and you have to respect it. So you have to be serious in respecting it, not just sort of um, you know turning away 
when there's just the slightest distraction. And another one that I thought was really interesting that maybe something we don't talk about a lot, but uh, you should not read the Quran when you're tired or maybe if there's something else uh, that you're doing. So for example, if you're trying to read the Quran and watch a hockey game or a basketball game, that's a no. Like you can't do that, right? You should focus on the Quran itself. And you know, you shouldn't read the Quran either when you're tired or when there's something else that might be distracting you like you know, maybe uh, if you have a headache and you can't focus on it, then maybe you shouldn't read the Quran, right? Because when you are reading it, again, you should give it the full uh, sort of attention that it really does deserve. And then the third point here, the right mindset. And the right mindset is mainly on the idea that when you are reading the Quran, you should really try and reflect on not just what it's trying to teach you, but try to connect with what it's giving you. So don't just sort of look at the Quran as, you know, the story as itself or what's being said right now, but sort of learn about what the general message of maybe the surah that you were reading, right? Like, for example, uh, Surah Yusuf, uh, you know, what is the general message of what the surah is? And, you know, when you learn the general message, then try to go into the in-depth analysis into different parts of the surah. And I think the main point of what they were trying to say here was that oftentimes when people sort of learn about maybe stories within the Quran or, you know, maybe they learn about, uh, you know, the Quran itself, they don't maybe get the full picture because they learn it in little snippets, right? So you sort of just read little parts of the Quran without actually looking at the big picture as to what the Quran is teaching you. Because, you know, there's a lot of surahs that uh, sort of talk about, you know, similar stories, for example, right? Like, uh, you know, I think it's only Surah Yusuf. Uh, where Yusuf salam's entire story is in one surah, where in other prophets, uh, you know, their stories are sort of scattered throughout different verses. And there's a reason for that, right? Like there's often a context that that verse was released in. So for example, there's Makkah and, and Medina, you know, verses, or sorry, uh, surahs, uh, where there was uh, surahs that were released to the Prophet Muhammad salam during different parts of his life. And that's part of the reason as to where, you know, that, that, uh, that surah comes from, right? So understanding that, understanding sort of the big picture, the themes that are involved is really important to really understanding and reflecting on the Quran because you can sort of get a better picture of what this specific part or what this specific story in the Quran has to do with the larger idea of what the Quran is trying to teach us. And then the final point here is to f tenderize your heart through the Quran. And it kind of goes back to the first point about letting the Quran improve you by being humble before it. And I really do think that this is something that I, but myself, like I didn't really understand when I first started reading the Quran kind of regularly. You know, there's this, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I'm having hard time with my words because I, I don't know how to describe this, but the, the Quran really does make you realize different things about the world. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, again, stories and, and concepts that, that are talked about in the Quran. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not an ulama, I'm not a scholar, so I don't want to go too into depth in this stuff because it is sort of out of my reach. But I think that's part of the lesson, what, what I just said there, like having the humility to say, I don't know. You know, like that's something the Quran teaches you. It really does. Because when you start to read these stories about all these great men or, you know, people who came before, you know, all these rich human beings, you know, the, the, the stories of all these people who opposed the prophets, 
And where are they now? Right? No one remembers them. But we have the Quran to remember the prophets. We have the Quran that tells us to remember the prophets. And it just gives us, you know, personally, in, in my, you know, uh, experience, it, it tenderized my heart to be really humble in front of a lot of things. Because you start to realize just how, how vast and how big human history, human experience is. And you start to realize, like, I am just one person in a vast array of stories. You know, I, I'm not the center of the universe. I'm just one human being. And that's not to say that you should devalue yourself. That's that's not what I mean to say. But it's this humility that I personally felt when I started to read these things about all these people who had come before. And, and you also see a lot of parallels as well between modern life and, and the previous life. A lot of, you know, the people who oppose the Quran, or sorry, who oppose the prophets, would often say about how they are, you know, the most advanced, how they're the best of all people. And, and where are they now? No one remembers them. And that, to me, is one of those things where, you know, the Quran really improved me. It gave me that lesson to have that humility. So, in summary, that was sort of a short note version of what the article actually says. And just mainly the things that I found interesting and the things that I felt that I could talk about. Uh, but again, I encourage you guys to go read it. There's a lot more to it, a lot more depth. Trust me, I definitely, definitely, definitely did not cover everything that the article talks about. But even when we're talking about the Quran and we're talking about reading the Quran, I think we should be honest with ourselves that the biggest obstacle isn't actually reading the Quran itself, but it's more or less finding time to actually read the Quran. And, you know, the problem is also how to make it a habit of reading the Quran. Because I remember when I was younger, I would go through these kind of uh, I don't know. I don't know what you call them, like the Ramadan effect, where it's Ramadan. You start reading the Quran. You start reading it. You start reading it, and then Ramadan ends, and then you stop reading the Quran. It, it was like, what? Why am I doing this? Like when I, it would be Ramadan, I, I realized, like I I would find time to read the Quran. Why? Because I had it in my mind. Like I intended myself to go read the Quran. Like when I woke up, I was like, I have to read the Quran today, and and I realized, like as I matured and I got older, I'm like. If I really try, like during Ramadan, I can find time to read the Quran. So why can't I do it other days of, you know, the, the year as well? Why not? You know, I, if I really try, I can find some time where I'll be able to read the Quran. And one of the things that I did as a student, so when I, when I was going to university, I, I would commute. So that means that I would take public transit. Uh, it was very, very annoying taking public transit. It's it's so, uh, you know, uh, just bothersome taking public transit because you had to like wake up uh, early so you could get the right bus. If you missed that bus, then you were late. And if you were late, then, you know, you had to take the other bus. And sometimes the other bus was late as well. Ugh, it, it was it was really, really bad. But that's just my sort of hating on public transit. But when I was taking public transit to school, I would often be sitting on the bus doing nothing. I mean, I can't really do anything because it was about an hour bus ride to my university. So, you know, I would just sort of sit there. Maybe every now and then I do some work or whatnot. But for the most part, I just sit there. And I don't remember what it was. But I remember just thinking one day, you know what I could be doing right now? I could be reading the Quran. And then I realized that, yeah, you know what? I could be reading the Quran. So I downloaded a Quran app and I just started reading the Quran on the bus. 
And, and it works out perfectly. It, it really, really does. Because you're not doing anything. I'm just sitting there. I'll just read it for a while. And then that's that. You know, and that's what we should really do. We should really think about what do I do for my whole day? Is there any time during the day when maybe I can spend 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes just reading the Quran? You know, if you feel that maybe you're too busy, maybe you should, I don't know, spend maybe 10 minutes just sort of reading the Quran, just going 10 minutes and just sort of uh, getting as much as you can get done. You know, and then building yourself up afterwards so you can get to 15 or 20 minutes. Trust me when I say this, it's not that difficult. But the point is, is that I feel that when you are getting into it, you should focus that you want to do it, right? Like don't let other things get in the way. And, and if they do get in the way, that's fine. Just do it some other time during the day. So for example, sometimes I wouldn't do it when I was dry, when we were going to the university. I do it when I was coming home. Because maybe I had to do something early in the morning, so I, I didn't have time to read the Quran. So I do it when I was coming home instead. And that's important, right? Because it's all about the intention. When we're in you know, a world where we're so busy, where you know, those of you who are going to university, maybe you, know, you're, you have all these things to worry about. Trust me when I say this, that you can take those few 10 to 15 minutes of your day, just read the Quran. It's, it's really, really simple. You know, and those of you who are at work, when you're on, you know, your 15-minute break, read the Quran. Just do it. It's it's really really simple. And if you really dedicate yourself, you can do it. It's it can be difficult at times because you sort of have to put that time into it. But I, I guarantee you that when you really really try, you can accomplish reading the Quran. And I would say as equally important is trying to get your hand on a translation of the Quran in, in whatever language, right? Either English in Urdu, and Farsi, whatever language you speak and you're comfortable with, please do go get a translation of that. Now, the only one thing I'd say is that try to make sure as best as you can that it's an authentic translation. There, there's a lot of translations that are actually out there that are pretty incorrect. And there's also an aspect of where Western translators have translated the Quran into English, for example, but it's incorrect and in that they translated words uh, that were, you know, that had maybe more than one meaning, or maybe they didn't realize uh, that there was uh, more than one meaning to it. It's definitely a problem. So I'd be careful when it comes to getting a translation. But, you know, getting a translation, if you can get an authentic one, is really important as well. Because again, the reflection on the Quran and really learning from it really becomes complete when you can actually understand uh, the Arabic. Now, of course, the other option is that you actually go do learn the Arabic, which is also a great option as well, because then you would be able to do both. You can read the Quran and you can understand what the Quran is telling you. But I, I definitely think that it's important to take that first step to try to get just your hands on a translation. But again, just make sure that it is uh, the correct one. But when you are also reading the translation, in my experience, I think an important thing to do is that when you sort of fall upon something that maybe you don't understand, um, you should try your best to go find sources that actually explain it. And I, I know that there's a few things in the Quran, for example, that I, I didn't understand. Maybe, you know, it had things to do with maybe the Sharia or things to do with a story in the Quran in terms of, you know, something that, that a prophet did. Uh, for example, uh, there's like a, a few areas where scholars disagree about certain things about a story in terms of what that uh, the point of the story is. Uh, so, for example, in Surah Al-Kaf, 
there's this, the people of the cave, right? I, I think there's like the controversy about whether or not they had a dog. Does that mean that you can have a dog? That that kind of thing, right? So when you are reading the translation and maybe you find a translation and it gives you uh, sort of a two translation or two possible outcomes of a meaning, have the humility to go and learn more rather than just making your own judgments. You know, I felt in my experience that when it comes to learning, that was really important to understand, to take that step back and realize, I don't know all of these things that maybe are coming my way. And the better thing to do is to actually go to scholars and learn from them, right? Scholars are there to teach us. And we should take that step where we should try and learn as much as we can from them. Now, the last thing that I wanted to touch up on here before I conclude today's episode was how we should connect the reflections that we might go through uh, throughout the Quran with the actual issues that we face. And, you know, to me, the most practical way of doing this is connecting with the stories of, of the prophets. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things within, you know, many of the stories of the prophets where you can connect with them. And it's weird sometimes. Like when we're taught about the prophets, we're taught about how, you know, they lived, you know, generations ago, how they lived in such, you know, different uh, worlds. You'll often see this actually in some of the more, um, let's just say, uh, liberal or uh, kind of uh, westernized Muslim people, I guess to put it maybe in a nice way. Uh, they will often say about how, oh, the prophets, they lived generations ago. Why should their stories impact my modern life. No, actually, when you reflect on it, you realize that the stories that the prophets went through, the things that they went through, the tests, are things that actually do relate to what we're going through. And one of my favorite stories when it comes to sort of reconnecting with the, the Quran has to do with Prophet Ibrahim salam's story. And specifically, it has to do when he first sort of gets the revelation and he's still in, you know, his society that, that are pagans. And I can really reconnect with what he goes through there because of the fact that, you know, growing up in the West, growing up uh, in, in a society that isn't Muslim, uh, that really, 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 really does not understand what Muslims are, uh, as evident by the episode that I talked about before about the rising Islamophobia in Canada, it was really... I think touching, I guess, to read about what Prophet Ibrahim goes through when he sort of first starts to get revelation. And, you know, in one of this uh, kind of the, the stories that are told in the Quran, it's about how I think his people are like celebrating something and Ibrahim is just by himself. Like he's just sort of on his own. I can't, I don't remember what surah or ayah it is in, but I know in one of Ibrahim Islam's like in the story early on, at least, you know, when he starts to first like disenfranchise himself from the pagans, right? He starts to push himself further away. And I, I could really connect with that because, you know, when you grow up in, in, again, like a white neighborhood that I did, it feels like you're just the other. And, you know, reading about how he had to deal with being the other because of his faith, you know, I can relate to that. You know, his, his uh, people celebrating a holiday that he doesn't celebrate. Yeah, I can relate to that. I don't celebrate Christmas. You know, I, I would, when I was younger, you know, people would be talking about the kids when they'd come back from the holidays, they'd all be discussing about what, you know, gifts they got, uh, you know, Christmas gifts, all the Christmas gifts they got. I had nothing to share because I didn't get Christmas gifts. 
right? And, and it's nothing that it was bad. Obviously, I don't want Christmas gifts because I'm not Christian. I don't have the Christian tradition. But it was that thing of where, you know, you felt just sort of the other. And, and, I, and I really connected with the Ibrahim al-Islam story when I, when I read it, not just in the Quran as well, but also the translation and, and the understanding from, you know, ulama who described and sort of said about the meaning of the story. I really connected with what he was going through. And, you know, there's a few verses in the Quran where it describes, you know, Ibrahim al-Islam sort of being away from them. And, and it really struck me because I felt like I understood that. I, I've been through that. You know, and, and when you really look at a lot of the Prophet's stories, again, they do have things that can relate to us. So why do we simply, you know, try and treat them like they were from generations ago? You know, if we think about it, the Quran was brought for all people. And the stories that are included in this Quran are for us to learn from. But it doesn't say what time period the us that you're supposed to learn from, right? And what I mean is, that, you know, there's no time period that was given that these people were supposed to learn from the Quran. It says, you know, this is for all of humanity. It doesn't give a time period as to which part of humanity, what time period of humanity, just for all of humanity. So the arrogance that goes behind this idea that the Quran has nothing to teach you, or that, you know, the stories in the Quran have nothing to teach you, is, is just flat out wrong. I'm sorry, it's flat out wrong. And, and it's not just Prophet Ibrahim alayhi story either. You know, look at, uh, for example, Prophet Yusuf alayhi story, right? Through hardship and struggle, if you, if you, you know, stay firm to your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, good things will happen. You know, he went from being in a well to being in jail to being a big governor in Egypt. And he's able to save his own family. You know, his forgiveness, the forgiveness that he shows to his brothers is a story that as well, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, being forgiving to others, it, it sticks to me as well. It's not just prophets either. You know, someone like Dhul-Qurnayn, for example. Dhul-Qurnayn is given this massive empire by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can do whatever he wants. But out of all the things, he goes to stop and help these people who are being impacted by Yajuj and Majuj. How many leaders of the world would stop everything that they're doing to help one group of people that are unfortunate. Look at what's happening in, in Afghanistan, for example. All those, you know, translators and interpreters who helped the Western forces in Afghanistan were left behind by the Western forces. The Western forces left, and now they left all the interpreters there, and now the Taliban are going after them. The Taliban are going and killing some of the interpreters because they're saying, you help the Americans, we're going to kill you. You know, if Dulkarnain is there, that's not what happens. Dulkarnain would have said, all those interpreters need to be saved. Why should I leave these people who are vulnerable to be killed? Right? That's a story in the Quran. It says that when you have power, you should do good with the power. Right? Those who have the ability to make change should do it. And, and I think that when we reflect, that these are the things that I personally have reflected on that I've learned from. And, you know, when you reflect on it or you do your own reflection, I guarantee you these are the kind of things that you'll think about and you'll start to notice. You know, these are the things that I myself didn't notice because I would just read the Quran, but I wouldn't reflect on it. In conclusion, thank you guys so much for listening to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. As always, I appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed today's topic about reconnecting with the Quran and I hope that it encourages you 
uh, to not only just reconnect, but also learn more about the Quran. You know, after all, the Quran is here to teach us. So if we don't learn from it, then we really are hurting ourselves in the long run. But either than that, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you could, please leave a five-star review. It really helps me in making future episodes. And as well as if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others. If you enjoyed it, I'm sure others will as well. Lastly, if you guys could also go follow me on Instagram, it's Muslims in Your Backyard. I'll be posting episode previews as well as other content, so please do go check that out. Other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, inshallah and Alafis, we'll meet again.